you know, there's all these stories about, you know, guys over in Macedonia who are running these fake news sites. Number 24 is Content Farms in Macedonia. Bidiki ako se napravi greška, tak je bide kobna. Nema vrakinja nazad. So, Europe need to, to remain more sexypil lady in the world. Ajde, majkata! Gospode, čuva Macedonija in izinite gregi. Macedonians recently celebrated the 150th birthday of Macedonian hero Gotze Delchev. But some Macedonians, mostly governmental types and some NGOs from the colorful revolution, seem fine with Bulgaria's position that Delchev was a, quote, Bulgarian, unquote, and that Macedonian history really is Bulgarian history and, well, you know where this leads. In the meantime, the Macedonian government is trying to push the so-called working groups between the two countries on issues such as the economy, trade, innovation, and more, in their public relations and in an effort to attempt to draw public opinion away from the fact that the Bulgarian government, despite its new leadership, still is going to insist on their demands that Macedonians abdicate their history and language to Bulgaria. The Macedonian content farmers believe wholeheartedly that trade and economic cooperation between countries is a good thing, but the entire root of the problem is that Bulgaria still insists on Macedonians denying their own identity. And the Bulgarian government will continue to do this. Back home at in Macedonia, the government tried to introduce a new law which would, essentially, allow citizens to civilly sue each other for, quote, negative opinions, unquote. After an immense amount of blowback, the government's Ministry of Justice walked this back. But they will likely try again as a part of the left's increasing demand that speech that they find, quote, offensive, unquote, should be banned. They are bloody little buggers, and if they find that offensive, then they are not fit to be adults, let alone have any position of authority. We'll discuss all of this and more on this episode of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. I'm Jason Miko, coming to you from the foot of the Catalina Mountains in Oro Valley, Arizona. And this is Cvetan Shulimanov in Skopje, Macedonia. Yeah, I almost, I, I, if, if it had been 48 hours beforehand, I would have said, coming to you from the foot of Vodno Mountain in Skopje, the Republic of Macedonia. Uh... Yes. Yeah, Jason was here. Yes, I was. Yes, I was. I was in Macedonia uh, for uh, for two weeks. Uh, I come for the weather, you know. It's just beautiful this year. <laughs> yeah. uh, exactly so, right. <laughs> yeah, it, it, uh, it was, you know, it was tough though. I mean, you you were kind of down and out. A number of other friends were down and out or gone, and and uh, so anyway, it was uh, it was good to be there. Um, always good to be in Macedonia. That's uh, that's for sure. So. Just well, yeah, for a desert dweller, maybe winter in in Europe is interesting. Well, <laughs> it's there was there was gloomy here and yeah, dark. there was <laughs> one day when it was, when I was there and it was snowing, so um, I just went out in the morning and walked around on the Plostad, you know, in the snow and uh -huh. and because uh, I don't get to do that here. <laughs> yeah, didn't even complain that the that the snow is not cleaned up. Yeah, it's uh, it, yeah, and most of that that day, most of the snow had melted by the afternoon, but um, but uh, yeah, it was it was kind of nice, but. More yeah. importantly, obviously, just to get to be able to see family and friends, uh, at least some. I mean, I, I figured, Svetin, if I were to try and see everybody I know at least once, that would take probably four to six weeks. So, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. uh, anyway, I will, uh, I will be back as always. So, and I was there for, going back to the monologue, I was there for the uh, 150th birthday of Macedonian hero Gotze Delchev. I was thinking of actually going mm -hmm. up to Sveti Spas. 
Uh, but then uh, I thought, yeah, there's going to be a lot of police around there, uh, yeah. cameras, you know, everything else. So I, uh, I did not make it up there. But, um, yeah, so the, the Bulgarians sent a delegation mm-hmm. uh, that laid flowers. And let's see, the prime minister, Kovachevsky, was out of town. The foreign minister was out of town. So did and and Stevo Pendorovsky, the president, I believe, went to the. Uh, did he go to Svetis yeah. Pass? I can't remember. Okay. Uh, yeah, he went uh, to Svetis Pass, and uh, the head of the delegation, you know, the president is his own institution. Mm-hmm. The head of the government's delegation was Artan Grubi, who is very mm-hmm. famous for, you know, uh, causing that major incident, uh, like hundred meters from where the church is uh, mm-hmm. on the. A slope of uh, the Kale Fortress, where uh, when Grevsky initiated the uh, reconstruction of a church that was excavated and found in yes. in the uh, courtyard of the fortress, and the Albanians started uh, an uproar because you know they, they didn't want to have like a Christian, uh, even though it was going to be just a museum, not mm-hmm. a religious object, uh, a religious shrine. Uh, the Albanians started uh, protests, they demolished, uh, uh, to this day, you know, you have like the partially demolished uh, uh, skeleton of the museum church. Right. And Artan Grubi was leading this major incident in uh, uh, between Macedonians and Albanians in Skopje, and now he was appointed by the government as head of the delegation to go honor Goza Delchev because the, the prime minister fled the country and went to Brussels for on the anniversary, even though it's such a major event now, with the Bulgarians uh, demanding that we accept a joint honoring of Goza Delchev, it's a joint shared Macedonian and Bulgarian hero. And the government is, you know, by and large, willing to accept these demands. That was, and that incident up on Kale with the church, that was kind of the, wasn't that the initial um, rise of uh, Artan Grubi, kind of? Oh uh, yeah, that's kind of when he. Uh, I know the, the the Dutch embassy kind of made him into what he is today. They uh, they was a football hooligan, and they kind of picked yeah. him out of the crowd, dusted him off, cleaned him up, put a suit on him, put some lipstick on him, and uh, and then uh, sent him out to uh, be the uh, the troublemaker that he continues to be. Yeah. Uh, so, well, that's that's too bad. And of course, the Bulgarians sent a delegation also to uh, Svetis Boss. I yeah. don't know if that was the foreign minister or not, but. Um, uh, they had the foreign minister and other officials. Yeah. And other officials, right? Yeah. So, so the the Macedonian government has basically agreed to celebrate the uh, jointly with the Bulgarian government, uh, Goltse Delchev. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, of course, the Bulgarian government, uh, the quote new Bulgarian government led by their prime minister Kirill Petkov, uh, who went to Harvard. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so since he went to Harvard, he's supposed to be a, a you know a, a wonder kid. Has pushing these so-called working groups, which again, as I mentioned in the monologue, is fine. Nothing wrong with the mm-hmm. working groups talking about trade and economic cooperation, innovation, etc. But that is kind of it, it takes away from the, the the root cause of of all of this that we've been talking about for it seems like years now. Ever <laughs> ever since the Greeks got what they wanted, we we've been talking about the Bulgarians and what they want or demand, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they've got these these working groups going back and forth. Um, and this, this thing about, uh, the, the airline I saw the other day, the flights between Sophie and Skopje are supposed mm-hmm. to start in March by an airline called Gulliver, I believe, um, which is 
Bulgarian, I think. I'm not sure. Yeah, a tourist agency. Tourist agency, yeah. But, you know, it's the flights will be subsidized, of course. And, you know, Wizz Air received some subsidies from the Macedonian government under yeah, yeah. the previous government and this government for their flights, of course. Um, but it, it seems to be more of a top-down thing than a bottom-up thing. The, the market should demand that there need be flights between the two capitals. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be the government, in, you know, forcing that. And, but, but we'll see. We'll see what, what happens, you know, if those flights actually do occur, and we'll see if anybody's actually on them and how long they last, et cetera. Um, but, uh, but these working groups, again, are, are really kind of, I think, you know, sure, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. They're, they're there. They're designed to, to increase, you know, issue, incre- increase the cooperation between the two countries on these issues that we talked about. But the root cause, the, the root problem, actually, is, is still there of Bulgarians insisting that the yeah. Macedonians um, basically abdicate their, their history and language to Bulgaria. I think, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the big issue right now seems to be with the Bulgarians demanding that they be recognized as a constituent people within the constitution uh, of Macedonia's oh, yeah. constitution. And I, I noticed this morning on the Twitters that uh, Dimitar uh, Bechev, the uh, Bulgarian analyst, I think he's mm-hmm. in North Carolina, said that, mm-hmm. uh, yes, the, if the Macedonians accept this, then the Bulgarians will be able to sell it to, uh, the Bulgarian government can sell it to their yeah. own people and begin talks, and oh, which is okay, but why can't, the Macedonians and be a constituent people in the Bulgarian constitution. Yeah, we have no problem accepting this for other countries. So, for example, at the moment, Croatia actually acknowledges the Macedonians as their constituent nation, even though we do not yet have the Croats in our constitution. Mm. Now, of course, Croatia wants to dilute the fact that it has a large Serbian minority, yeah. many of whom were expelled after the war they started practically in the 90s. But So they want to add as many you know, to the list of the minorities. Uh, uh, Bulgaria has a different approach. It does not acknowledge anybody mm. as a minority. It actually bans you from having a political party or movement on ethnic basis. So they, the, the Turkish party has to be called the party of movements of freedom and something like that, uh, even though they would much rather be called like the Turkish party. <laughs> because they are. Person. <laughs> Well, yeah. Right. So they're not allowed to, to state their affiliation. But then Bulgaria has, so in a sense, Bulgaria has a fair, stricter approach to these policies. But then it demands that Macedonia lives up to its much more relaxed and a much more generous approach to minority rights. So a country which has zero respect or zero uh, tolerance for minorities uh, in its own territory demands that another country <laughs> accepts uh, fully uh, the Bulgarian minority and it would not be a problem if there was some reciprocity so we can acknowledge the Serbs because the Serbs acknowledged us, we can acknowledge mm-hmm. the Albanians because the Albanians acknowledge us, but we have not yet registered a Greek party or a Greek organization mm-hmm. uh, because Greece also has a very strict policy of non-acknowledgement, non-recognition of the Macedonian minority. So there has to be some kind of like a give and take. We would recognize the church very freely, but we did not famously recognize the Serbian church, and we actually, you know, had this forced, um, really, you know, out there persecution of the uh, the Macedonian bishop who, the church, who sided with the Serbs and was appointed by them as the Archbishop of Macedonia. Mm-hmm. You know, our government put him, our courts put him in prison. 
because Serbia does not recognize our language, our minority, our everything except our church. So we said, okay, we do not recognize your church. You cannot have a church in Macedonia since you don't recognize the Macedonian church. So it's not just a policy against the Bulgarians. It's a common sense approach. You know, if you do not give us this right, we do not give you the, the same right. The government turned to Vimero because the government does not have the vote to amend the constitution, uh, barring, again, arrests of opposition <laughs> members of parliament. Uh, so they're now openly asking the opposition to support them on this. Mitskovsky came out and said, okay, we might consider this, even without reciprocity. So the first path would be obviously reciprocal acknowledgement of minorities, however many or few people want this right in both countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, since we know how the Bulgarians are, we can either accept this on a written guarantee from... Uh, so we can vote for this, give Zav uh, Kovacevsky in parliament the, the votes he needs to amend the constitution. But if Bulgaria gives written guarantees that this is the last demand and that afterwards it will be smooth sailing on their part, no veto in the EU, no blockades. Uh, or that, uh, you know, he added like, um, let them start respecting the uh, court sentences by the European Court of Human Rights. Mm which Macedonian organizations in Bulgaria, they constantly sue Bulgaria because it keeps dragging out or denying their simple request to get registered, like go to the registry office and say, I have an association for this or that or the other, and everybody is accepted. But if you put Macedonian in the organization, you're immediately denied. So there's like a dozen of these sentences that Bulgaria ignores. Or Mitskovsky said, just come and, uh, you know, apologize for the deportation of the Macedonian Jews in the Holocaust. (laughs) So these are all big asks from the Bulgarians. I doubt that they would accept anything, but I don't see how they can hope that they will get quick uh, acknowledgement in the constitution of the Bulgarian minority. And then there is a whole issue in which the Bulgarians mainly say, listen, what we're asking for is stupid. Not because it's stupid, but because, um, on you know, on these hypocritical grounds, but because uh, we want to claim all the Macedonians as uh, crypto-Bulgarians, as recently, you know, Bulga- Bulgarians who have recently, you know, tried to adopt a new identity. And uh, we should not push for a designation which in Macedonia is reserved for a minority, because then they would have, like... Uh, 2,000 people maybe declaring themselves as ethnic Bulgarians in the census. Mm-hmm. They would have like 100,000 people who claim citizenship, but uh, these are all living in Germany or Italy now because this is the main reason why they claim the citizenship. They would say, okay, yes, we feel as Bulgarians, whatever, just give me the document. Very few of them actually remain in Macedonia or live in Bulgaria or uh, are active politically as Bulgarians. Uh, so Bulgarians say, no, let's just keep the, this issue open-ended and eventually push for uh, absorption of the whole of the Macedonians as Bulgarians. So yeah, it's a big, big mess. <laughs> Always is. And, and of course, the fact remains, and this is true in life, it's true throughout all of history, is that once you uh, give in, once you uh, try to appease the aggressor with one thing, the aggressor will continue to ask yeah. more and more. Um, that's just a fact. And doesn't matter if the Bulgarians give a written document saying, yes, this is the last thing we'll ask for. It isn't. It won't be. They'll always ask for more. 
And again, as we've talked about many times in this podcast, and as I've written, the 30-some-odd chapters of the uh, the uh, EU uh, acquis, I think, uh, that mm-hmm. has to be, each chapter has to be opened, negotiated, closed, and then voted on by the um, the EU countries, and Bulgaria could object at any step along the way. So, And they will, and the Greeks mm-hmm. will as well, because uh, this is something we haven't talked about in a while, I think, but I've been reading here and there that the Greek government is not happy with the implementation of the so-called Prespa Agreement and uh, will be demanding more and more from Macedonia, even even if Macedonia finally does get a date to begin EU accession talks. Mm. Uh, both both countries, both governments, Greece, Bulgaria, are going to continue uh, demanding more and more from Macedonia and the Macedonians. And that's just a fact. Uh, it's all in the name of, quote-unquote, EU values. Uh, course the eu has values but it doesn't have virtues and, and that's a actually that's a thing i think i'm gonna work up an article on that trying to defi- define it not trying to but actually defining the difference between the two um mm-hmm. but uh but uh, anyway that's uh that's going to continue and and i see that uh you know they're talking about what early summer for a uh, an agreement or so but in the meantime though we do have you you, you mentioned something sorry about the um you know the uh Macedonians that actually have a Bulgarian passport. And we have the results of the census are going to be made, uh, I believe, next month in March. Um, and, of course, the Bulgarians are going to raise holy hell uh, when there aren't, mm-hmm. you know, 100,000 plus Bulgarians listed in, in the census. Uh, there will be what? You said something like 1,000, maybe less? I think so, yeah. I think just a very small number. Yeah, exactly. Uh, express this. Because they're... The, we, don't know for sure right. because it's the, the results are still yeah, not published. But yeah, well, that yeah, there's that, and then of course the other. On the other hand, there's going to be uh, issues with the number of ethnic Macedonians, ethnic Albanians, etc., etc. Uh, you know, and and those that are in the country versus out of the country, because during the census you could be mm-hmm. anywhere on planet yeah. Earth and still register. Which is the census is supposed to count the number of people in a given location at a given time not the people outside of the country, but mm-hmm. uh, because uh, Dewey was running the, uh, well, the foreign ministry was Dewey. Um, they had uh, a lot of power over that. And so anyway. Um, uh, yeah, the Bulgarians actually chilled a lot of the this positive uh, uh, movement that was made when uh, Practically, we had Pitkov visit Skopje, then Kovachevsky and half of the government went to Sofia, set up these work groups, some of which might actually work on something useful, uh, like infrastructure, mm-hmm. even though the best approach for Bulgaria would be just to let us join the EU and then we can jointly second the EU taxpayers' teeth and actually build <laughs> the roads we need and the railway with their money, not spend their own money to, to do right. it. Uh, but then he said, as this was all progressing, he, you know, he talks about we can't allow Gotsadelchev to divide us, even as he was uh, honoring Gotsadelchev in Sofia and then went for a procession with uh, torches. You know, it was pretty, you know, out there in Blagoevgrad, the capital of Pirin, Macedonia, with the president Radov. Mm-hmm. So they had all their patriotic organizations there go to the grave of, I think, uh, Delchev's father or I'm not real sure mm-hmm. who is buried there. Um, and, you know, this was all uh, like a moderate approach mixed in with some, uh, let's say, patriotism, nationalism on their part. But then he said, listen, uh, 
we, we let them start the accession talks, it's, it's going to take them 15 years anyway. So 15, one five, yeah. which is a lot. I mean, and, and you know, people are just saying, what's the point of all of this? Even uh, with all these concessions, and then we're still talking about a decade and a half of waiting for anything to happen. So practically we have um, a much more immediate and much more likely outcome, which is now openly favored by the U.S. State Department, by the Soros guys, that we join Serbia and Albania and Kosovo and Bosnia and Montenegro in a, in a Yugoslavia without the good parts, but with the Albanians in it, mm -hmm. and call it uh, Open Society <laughs> Balkans, Open Balkans. Sponsored by George Soros. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. And the Bulgarians are becoming uh, concerned about this. They fear that you know, Macedonia will end up under Serbia again. But, uh, you know, they, they largely contributed to this outcome. So, you know, <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and again, at the end of the day, people just want to, you know, be able to hold a job down and, um, and uh, make some money and send their kids to school and put food on the table mm. and maybe take a vacation twice a year and, and basically be left alone to, uh, to enjoy themselves. But uh, yeah. uh, they will not be allowed to do that because uh, little people run the government in Macedonia and uh, other governments in the region. Um, speaking of jobs, real quick, I know we didn't have this in our discussion beforehand, but um, I did find it interesting when I was there uh, that, uh, that now you, uh, you, you can't work on Sunday, um, except yep. the big malls, the shopping malls. Uh, and of course, yep. the, the latest, I did not set foot in Eastgate. I, uh, Typically, don't set foot in malls. You didn't? No. The main tourist attraction of Tokyo? <laughs> you, you practically haven't even been to Macedonia. <laughs> I've been in, I've been in Macedonia, been involved in, in <laughs> and loving on Macedonia for 26 years, and yet I haven't seen Macedonia because I haven't been to Eastgate Mall. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you're right. You're shaming me now, Svetin. Um, it's, uh, and of course... We all know that countries become absolutely fabulously wealthy from building shopping malls. Um, I mean, that's just the way for a country to become rich and wealthy. Uh, so, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. So, for listeners that may not know, uh, now uh, Sunday is a day off from work. It's a mandatory day off from work, except for restaurants, of course. Mm -hmm. And the shopping malls are allowed to be open. Conveniently, the shopping malls tend to be associated with uh, Ali Ahmeti and Dewey characters, uh, so they're the ones making money off of that. But I did notice a, um, uh, uh, an article here, uh, Nebi Hoja, uh, who's the head of the Chamber of Commerce of, uh, uh -huh. of Northwestern Macedonia, so that's not the N-word, but that's a part of Macedonia, it's that region of Macedonia, the northwestern part. And, and he said that one company fired 150 of its employees as a result of the law. So, mm. so the, whatever the intention uh, of, the, of yeah. the law, uh, well, the intention is to make Ali Ahmeti even wealthier uh, and his ilk. Uh, it, it's, it's, instead of giving people a day off, people are losing their jobs, um, mm. which, uh, yeah, which, which is, is, is not a way to, to build wealth in, in the country. Um, yeah, now they have, uh, they also hiked the minimum wage to uh, 300 euros uh, a month, which is a significant increase from uh, uh, under SDSM, you know, they really significantly increased it. 
And uh, the result is that so far, even before this came into effect, we have like uh, we had like sixty thousand jobs lost. Okay, due to the pandemic yeah. as well. Uh, now they're the we don't we can't really trust the statistics. They're coming now out now with a report of just nineteen thousand lost for the pandemic. Mm. Uh, so maybe you know they're trying to sell a story of some rebound in the meantime. But either way, you know it's very clear that. Uh, uh, this is hurting the the businesses uh, even more than you know on top of the on top of what the pandemic uh, is doing. Meanwhile, you know we have uh, all these programs to borrow money and then distribute it, sprinkle it around to companies for uh, in 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 the under the guise of uh, uh, COVID aid. Uh, this has obviously led to a huge inflation. Uh, spike in the country so any increase uh, in salaries or minimum wage is really eaten out even before you receive it so yeah it's a pretty pretty dire situation here economically yeah and, and i noticed that i mean obviously every country is is facing inflationary pressures right now uh mm -hmm. after the fed here declared it was no longer just transitory you know it's permanent uh yeah so but i noticed yeah, yeah just going into uh you know the grocery stores there uh restaurants etc that it really is going I mean, then of course some of my friends are telling me about the they just got their electric bill and opened that and it was like double what it had been the year before uh, and i just i don't know how people are coping yeah. with that it's just it's just incredible um but yeah it's it doesn't matter if they of course and as a, as a small c uh free market conservative i don't believe in minimum wages but um anyway i'll set i can set that aside for now um but yeah, people people are hurting financially, and again, yeah. going, going back to the, I know we've talked about this before. Going back to polling, um, the number one issue every consistently in every poll is, you know, what are the major issues that people are dealing with? It's the economy, it's jobs, um, and and that's you know people people need that. But uh, but I I think you know with if we build more shopping malls in Macedonia, then everybody will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. But um, aside from that, let's um, kind of pivot back to the um, to the law on um, saying naughty words uh, or uh, negative <laughs> opinions. So the government Ministry of Justice tried to introduce a law which uh, would allow citizens to sue each other uh, for quote unquote negative opinions. Um, I'm not sure. This is always the thing, you know, and we've discussed this before on um, the Macedonian. Who are we? The Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. Thank you. Uh, still jet lagged here. Um, we've discussed the issue of so-called quote-unquote hate speech. Uh, you know, how do you define hate speech? That's, this is always the problem. Uh, how do you define negative opinions? Uh, it's, it's very subjective. There's no objective uh, definition of this. And so, you know, for, for me to call the government bloody little buggers, maybe that is you know, no. to them offensive and whatnot, except that in life there is no right not to be offended. That's just kind of part of growing up and being an adult and et cetera. So, but, so the government walked this back, but there's still, on my understanding, they're, just, they're still trying to figure out a way to work this mm -hmm. in. Is that correct? Yeah, it's very strange. I don't know where it came from, but yeah, they said that, uh, uh, first they said they're going to, uh, walk it uh, back under pressure from uh, you know, journalist associations who roundly support them and 
you know, just what's left of the critical public in the country. But then they mm -hmm. said, uh, uh, so the initial phrasing was to extend the definition of slander and insult to expressing negative opinion of someone or some institution. And that would allow this person or institution to sue you for slander under the law on civic accountability, even the name of the law is uh, very Orwellian. And then now the, the new idea is to just have it, uh, to, to rephrase it slightly. So now it says uh, uh, disparaging uh, somebody. So it's not expressing negative opinion. Now it's disparaging. Still, still stupid. I mean, still very ugly. Define. How do you define that? What is disparaging? You have disparaged my good name, sir. I challenge yeah. you to a duel. Mm, exactly. What, what is disparaging? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know where it came from. Uh, Who, the government... The, the, ministry, the ministry of Regulating Speech now defines what is disparaging or negative opinion or slander. I mean... So they've been very big on uh, prosecuting people for uh, attacking, you know, uh, cursing me. Well, this is our common trait, you know. You, We have a lot of colorful curse words and we use them against uh, <laughs> Zayef and uh, etc. I mean, Zayef's people would use them against the opposition as well. But the Zayef regime was using freely the police and the courts. You know, they would just say some 50-year-old person from some village there, we are putting him, uh, we're charging him with uh, incitement, with hate speech, etc. for just writing something uh, on his Facebook, uh, you know, ugly, but obviously not a threat, not an incitement uh, of any realistic proportions. So they would do this a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess now they have a lot of pressure from Bulgaria and uh, uh, and Greece to ban uh, hate speech and any every any new round of negotiations between uh, Zaev now Kovachevsky and the Bulgarians uh, or whenever a holiday comes and we either have to celebrate it jointly or you know it's like a holiday link to the World War II liberation so this also creates. Uh, a lot of back and forth on social media between Macedonians and Bulgarians. You have a torrent of abuse from both sides, uh, likes we never had before. I mean, none of this was happening under Gruevsky because, you know, the Bulgarians knew that they can gain nothing from provoking us. Uh, we obviously can gain nothing from provoking them. We were blocked by Greece anyway, so who cares? So the relations were, it was not an active ongoing dispute. Now it's changed. Now it's a very much an active dispute. And uh, I suppose the idea to change this law would be to make it even easier for the courts to go after people who would just, uh, whenever we have a, this uh, forced joint celebration, this uh, forcing each ourselves to be friendly and chummy with the Bulgarians, which, you know, people, <laughs> many people would reject on both sides, or mm -hmm. when uh, they will inevitably veto us again at some point, uh, then people respond with insults against them, that we can go after the Bulgarians, uh, after the critics of uh, Bulgaria with, uh, it's not a criminal charge, but it would still, you know, it, it's still going to cost you financially. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I, I guess this is the reason. There is no other good explanation for this. So first round is the government backed off slightly, but I, I, I guess they're going to try pushing Further, if this is really the what what they want, if this is really the the reason to appease Bulgaria. Well, uh, two things. First of all, if so, if, if I'm if I go up to um, Kovachevsky and uh, I look him in the eye and I say, 
minu perse, which is an Estonian swear word. Okay. Is that, you know, does that count as hateful speech? Do I get arrested? Do I get fined? Do I get thrown into jail? Um, minu perse, Kovacevsky. Let, let me just see if in Google <laughs> Translate what, what exactly... <laughs> It's the worst thing you can say in Estonian. So does okay. it count as, and since I said it in Estonian, does it count as hate speech? But yeah, but the Estonians are, you know, like generally well-behaved people. How, how bad can it be really? I mean, at least well, actually, compared to, to, to our stuff. To, to, be, to be perfectly honest, it's the, it's, the, it's the worst thing you can say in Estonian. And yet, when you translate it in English, it literally doesn't make any sense. Because the oh, phrase, okay. it literally means you go back up into your own ass. <laughs> uh, so it, you know, it doesn't sound that bad. I mean, it, it's, yeah. I mean, I yeah, depending so, but... on his preference, it might actually be good. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I think maybe I will adopt the, uh, the, uh, the position that I swear in Estonian at these people when I'm there, so I don't get, uh, <laughs> so I don't get arrested or fined or whatever. Yeah. But uh, back on, and then the second point on the the Bulgarian issue of the hate speech. Uh, who's this idiot in the Bulgarian Parliament, uh, Zambezki? Um, oh, yeah, he's in the European Parliament. Uh, oh, he's in the European Parliament, nationalist, right. So, yeah, he, guy there. Yeah, he's a moron. Uh, he tweeted out today, quote, acts of hatred against Bulgarians in, in Macedonia, yeah. emoji flag, do not cease. After the at Vlada MK refused to jointly celebrate Gotse Delchev, the the, hashtag BG, uh, emoji Bulgarian flag flowers laid at his grave were demonstratively removed after the departure of the BG delegation. Act of friendship? I don't think so. Well, hang on, dude. First of all, you can't force people to be friends. I mean, that kind of violates the whole point of being a friend if you're forcing people to try and be friends. You can't legislate that. And act of hatred against Bulgarians to, I don't know if they remove the flowers or not, you know, Okay, so what? Maybe they removed the flowers because they wanted to make room for more flowers. Uh, who knows? But he's, he's just, he's an irritating little twat. And I wish he would just go away. Oh, oh I just used hate speech, I'm sure, there. Yeah. So I'm going, to be, uh, I'm going to be roundly criticized for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it will just backfire. I mean, there, there's inevitably going to be anonymous bad actors, even why, why wouldn't there be? If, if, if people notice that this is provoking... Uh, New rounds of uh, hatred and uh, tensions and blockades between Macedonia and Bulgaria. Obviously, more people are going to jump into the fray. Maybe people from abroad, maybe people deliberately paid to do this. Or, you know, I can put myself in the mind frame of people who would even do this, uh, you know, out of outrage, out of, uh, you know, they had a family uh, drama during the Second World War. You know, they, there, was, there was a lot of atrocities on both sides. Uh, I mean, both by the Serbs and the, by the Bulgarians, Macedonians, were not right. much in a position to, to do anything to anybody. So, but, so there is a lot on... Uh, every family has a story of some atrocity, and, you know, there's, I know, bunches of people who just do not want to be pushed around on this issue and who would take to social media to uh, re respond. And if this drags, uh, you know leads to Bulgaria blocking us further, you know, a lot of them would do it just because of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, it's just kind of this, the, the pushback. I mean, we see this around the world. Of course, I understand that Europeans don't value free speech as much as we Americans do. Actually, nobody on the planet values free speech mm. as much as the Americans do. Yeah. And yet, free speech is under attack all over the place. Uh, just ask Joe Rogan. Uh, 
So maybe we should send Joe Rogan to Macedonia. Well, actually, he's being invited at the Macedonians um, at the Macedonian uh, YouTube channel, practically on Rumble. You know, the Macedonian-owned yes. Chris Pavlovsky. Yeah, uh, Chris yep. Pavlovsky invited him to <laughs> to That's, switch yeah. for. <laughs> well, fantastic! So, Chris, by the way, this podcast is also available. If with with the leftover you have after paying off Joe Rogan, Absolutely. you can <laughs> feel free to buy us as well. <laughs> That's true. Yes, uh, yeah. we've got we've got a hundred. This is a hundred, episode one hundred and thirty-two of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. And let's see, what is today? Today's the eighth, February eighth. Mm-hmm. I think this will drop later today. It's been a while. I know since we've recorded, uh, lots of issues going on, um, yeah. lots of uh, other things to do. But uh, I am uh, glad that we are able to do this. Uh, what else? I, I see. Um, I know. Again, we didn't talk about this in our our pre. Uh, pre-podcast conversations, but apparently there's a group of Greek hackers who are trying to delete um, yeah. Macedonia, delete the country from the internet. Yeah. Um, not entirely sure how you do that. Uh, mm. I wish to rest a little from the internet. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, um, yeah. When I used to work in a printed newspaper, you would just be done with the day by, by, by 15... O'clock, three in o'clock. The, yeah. three in the afternoon. <laughs> uh, is, isn't, isn't it funny, Svetin, because, you know, more and more technology takes over our lives. And, and, and yeah. I remember when I was a little kid, you know, this is about 4,000 years ago, uh, they were saying that they, you know, the authorities said that you know, one day there will be the paperless office and, and, mm-hmm. and we'll have more leisure time and all that. It just doesn't seem like it. It seems like with yeah. more technology comes more exhaustion, frankly. Yeah. So, and having to keep up with everything, but um, yeah, so do your worst, Greeks. I'm sorry. Yeah, do your worst. Do your, do your worst, exactly. Yes. So, <laughs> right. All right. What else we got here? It's been a while since we've talked. A couple of weeks, I think, actually. Well, I think you have a farmer's pick prepared, so we can go with that to close up yeah. the podcast. Yes, uh, and we can kind of expand on this a little bit more uh, because we've been talking about you know, depressing things and crushing morosity. Yeah. Uh, Kind of the uh, the uh, the commentary podcast uh, that's their brand and it seems to be our brand, but we, we do want to talk about positive things uh, now and then. And um, actually, we need to get back in that habit of talking about something positive <laughs> in Macedonia. And so, so here's I got a farmer's pick. Uh, and actually, so Twitter can be useful for some things. And you know, before I oh. came over to Macedonia, it's true that it can be. It's a tool. Um, before I came to Macedonia, I, I noticed on the uh, on the, the hashtag Macedonia feed, somebody had posted a picture of a bottle of wine, Namchevsky, Vranets. And mm-hmm. I had never seen that before. I never heard of that winery. And so I uh, I followed the guy, and he followed me back, and I DM'd him and said, you know, what what is this wine? And so he said, um, he, he, he said the shop is called Wineberries. It's actually Wineberry, two words, Bistro uh, Bistro Shop. Uh, in the uh, the center of of Skopje, uh, actually just down the street from the Bulgarian embassy, uh, right next mm-hmm. to Vero, uh, across the street from that. But it's Wineberry. They've got a Facebook page, Wineberry, W-I-N-E-B-E-R-R-Y-M-K. And it is, Svetin, it is a gem. It, the proprietor, uh, Yadranka, Yatsi, has worked with uh, Stobi and Skoven wineries for many, many years, and she opened up the shop. About half her selection is foreign wines, so uh, you know a little bit from California, South Africa, Australia, and, uh, France, etc. But the other half are Macedonian wineries you've never heard of. 
Mm-hmm. It is amazing. Um, she's got about 27 wineries in her uh, in her stock, and little wineries like Namchevsky. The Vranitz Brik was incredible, uh, and it's actually it's a very big, bold, jammy Vranitz as Vranitz tends to be at 17 percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I tasted over a period of about three or four days, and and here's the thing: you go in there and you can just do a taste. Uh, so it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's typical of you're going to wineries here in the States and wine tastings where they'll just pour you just a little bit and it, no charge for the, for the, uh, for the taste. Uh, and you can taste, she has many bottles open that she's been pouring, you know, throughout the day or whatever, reds, whites, rosés, etc. Uh, and you can just do a taste and if you like it, you can order a glass or you can <laughs> order the whole bottle. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and it's, and there's a, there's a, you know, a few tables and chairs you can sit down and talk. It's very intimate. And she's got a couple of meza plates that you can get to go with your uh, your your wines, uh, you know, and and the price range is very affordable. Some of those some of the wines from the, these small Macedonian wineries are running, you know, three hundred three hundred fifty dinars oh. all the way up to eight hundred eighteen hundred dinars. And in, in with this inflation, seriously? <laughs> yeah, no, the, the Namchevsky Vranz Brik I think was five hundred and sixty dinars. So mm-hmm. quite, re- I mean, that's in, that's in line with a, a Tikvesh uh, special selection or something like that. And that's the thing; she doesn't carry the Tikvesh, Bolvin, Skoban, Stoby. You know, she doesn't carry the big wineries, only the small ones. And again, these wineries that you've never heard about. So in, in about three days, prepare yourself. Over a course of about three days, I tasted 41 Macedonian wines. Oh, my God. Yes. I will be posting the pictures later on Facebook, later this week, I think. Some of them, not all of them. Uh, of... You know, okay, that's, that's approaching what... twelve step level. <laughs> <laughs> no, again, these are tastes. This is less than an ounce, which I don't know what an ounce is in, in uh, the metric. I can't remember, but it, it's just a little poor. So, oh my uh, but it was fantastic, and we started one day with the reds, then in, then went in for the whites, and then the next day was the rosés, including the Stanushina. But uh-huh. you know the, the stories, and and actually it's interesting because her tagline is uh, a different wine story. And each wine has its own story, and each winemaker has their own story. And this is just a great example of, of something good coming out of Macedonia. First of all, you've got all these wineries in Macedonia that nobody's ever heard of. And mm-hmm. Yahtzee said, I think there's like 120 wineries now registered in Macedonia. Uh-huh. I can name, with the ones that I had and the ones that I already know about, I can name about 40, I think. I don't know where the other 80 are. Um, yeah, but, I and, could and some of the fifteen, I guess. Yeah, and and some of these are, uh, you know, open to the public and things like that. A lot of them down in Kavadarci, but some down uh, in other places like uh, Givgelia. So I tasted uh-huh. a a um, dessert wine, kind of like a port, uh, fortified wine. Again, two of them, two different ones, made from Vranitz, mm-hmm. uh, from this winery in Givgelia called Kerem, K E R E M, and. The one that the the really big bold strong one was twenty one percent ABV, uh, mm. and it tasted like Christmas. It had Seriously. flavors, notes of nutmeg, vanilla, mm-hmm. cinnamon, and that's just natural from the aging process and from the process of of, of really, um, uh, I guess, I, I don't know what I'm l- losing my uh, my uh, ability to describe the grapes. Uh, you know, it's it's almost like raisins that you take and then you, uh-huh. you uh, ferment them, crush them and ferment them. Uh, but it was just fantastic. And there's just so many. The, another one, uh, a grape called, uh, I believe, I may have this wrong, uh, I believe called Plovdina. 
and that's the grape name. Uh, Never yeah, heard of it before. Okay. Uh, yeah. And little plots around Macedonia that have been discovered and cultivated and grown, and it was a rosé, a very light rosé. It was fantastic. Mm. Uh, but so many good wines to be tried there, and so uh, and so many good wines made in, in, in Macedonia that uh, are waiting to be discovered by Macedonians. And I'm, I was telling, you know, everybody I met there uh, that... Uh, that uh, that Wineberry exists and that they should go and try it. And uh, I look forward to seeing new wines next time I go back to Macedonia, new wines that uh, Wineberry has. Uh, and so that is uh, my farmer's pick, a, a good news story from Macedonia, Wineberry, and all of the little wineries in Macedonia that you've never heard about, but will soon if you go there and try them. Yeah, it sounds great. I'll, I'll definitely give it a shot and hope our listeners do as well. Absolutely. All right. Well, we will try and um, get more on, get more on a yeah, regular do schedule this more again. often. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, but uh, hopefully, we'll get this uh, drop today, and uh, we'll just uh, keep monitoring all this and uh, and uh, sampling and those wines. Try not to insult anybody. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Okay. Good talking to you, Sutton. You too. Take care. You too.